Hello there and welcome to the Every Ounce Podcast. Here we talk all things mental health, wellness, and resilience. I'm your host Lexi and I am determined to bring you a one-stop shop for all things related to mental might. Join us for talks about naps and fruit snacks to the most real and raw conversations of life. This is where you will find community, validation, and most importantly, strength. Hello there and welcome back to the podcast. Today I am here with Jenna Corsi from Balanced Nutrition. Jenna is a registered dietitian, encourages her followers to eat without guilt and live with more grace. She is the queen of anti-diet reels and is changing the way that health is talked about, perceived and achieved. I'm super duper excited to have you here today. Jenna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm super stoked and literally while we're on the topic of reels you have so many great reels (laughs) like so many I love them I love them my dancing skills I know they're awesome I love the little tiktok dances and the eating disorder you know Mm -hmm. messages and all that it's perfect it's totally perfect thank you yeah I'm I'm picking up on my dancing skills and yeah I like it because it's fun but then it also has a good message or you know trying to get some point across with helping people or just encouraging them in some way Right. So introduce yourself. Tell us about kind of who you are as a person, how you got to being a dietitian. Yeah, sure. So I am from Boston, went to college there, um, did a dietetic internship in California. And that's kind of, yeah, the past couple years. After after I did my internship, I actually moved to Hawaii, and I'm living there now. Um, I'm actually visiting in Boston right now, but I live there, um, and it's been such a blessing. But backtracking to growing up with my mom, and my, my mom always made sure that we had healthy food, and um, we got outside, all of that good stuff. So she wa- really wanted us to have an active lifestyle. And my Nana, I was cooking with her. So just a lot of great experiences around food. Mm-hmm. Um, but come high school and college, that's when things started to get a little, um, I don't know, haywire with all the messages that I was receiving about my body or about food and how to restrict or how to restrict so that your body changes and um, it was just super toxic. <laughs> and I, I didn't know that I wanted to study nutrition. I know that I knew that I wanted to help people in some way. And then I remember talking to my counselor and she was just like, because I told her about my background with my mom and my Nana and how I love food. And she was like, you can be a dietitian and you can help people and you can also learn more about food. So I was like, oh, perfect. So that's when I became a diet or was on the path to become a dietitian. And then in college, it was super, uh, it's tough when a lot of dietitians are type A people. Um, you want to do things perfectly or, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you want this like rigid, strict thing to follow. And so that's where I started to kind of experiment with different diets and restricted food. And my relationship with food was just super bad. And and then that that too obviously coincides with body image. And I was just definitely not confident in my body and felt like I need to change and look a certain way. It was all about the aesthetic and looking a certain way. And yeah, so come the internship, so a couple of years later, I read the book Intuitive Eating. And I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm just like, wow, this is the way I want to eat or the way I ate before I started to 
mm-hmm. before diet culture, before I felt like I need to change my body. That's just the way I ate. So let me go back to that. Because intuitive eating is essentially like getting back to when you were a toddler, when you were a baby, like how did you eat? You you ate when, and it's not the hunger fullness diet. It's not like you eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. There's more to it than that. But um, yeah, so just really connecting with food in a different way and it helped me so much because then it allowed me to have the experiences to know what my clients go through because I work with women who have disordered eating, eating disorders, poor body image. So I have that experience. And so I was like, okay, I, I know where you've been and I can show you show you the way. And uh, yeah, so now I have my own private practice and I absolutely love what I do. That's awesome. And I'm so grateful for people like you. I had an eating disorder specific mm. um, dietitian and so as, as well as a therapist and a, yeah. um, a pediatrician and my whole recovery team. And without each part of them, I definitely would not have the full recovery that I have now. And I've been I've been aware of intuitive eating ever since I kind of started my process of eating disorder recovery. But I'm actually just now actually reading the book. Oh, good. I've read <laughs> over like the principles and I've learned. I've I mean, I, everything that I've learned in the book, I pretty much already knew from yeah. some of my past research, but so, so, so good. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm at principle nine. So <laughs> I'm super, super stoked. It's so great. And that's definitely something that I would love to incorporate into my practice too, because I just don't think it can get any better than that. Honestly. No, it is awesome. Yeah, definitely. It's just, it's so, it's so, it's like complex yet so simple, right? It's like complex right. because diet culture makes it complex, but simple because it's just eating normally. Like that's what it is. It's just getting back to eating normally. Right. And I think you can make it as simple or as complicated as you need it to be, mm-hmm. you know? And so whatever, mm-hmm. you know, justification that you need for your own mind to kind of make peace with food, you can, you can achieve that through intuitive eating. So that's what's yes. super nice about it. Yeah, absolutely. So on your platform and on your Instagram account, you talk a lot about grace over guilt. Mm. And I kind of want to dive into what this is because I talk about giving ourselves grace. I love that phrase. Love it. Yes. So explain what guilt versus grace in eating is and what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is so, yeah, I, I came up with that phrase or whatever I don't even know, like maybe six months ago, I was just like, all right, we need to give ourselves more grace and less guilt, you know? But um, mm-hmm. so guilt is, so just generally guilt is I did something bad. And if you know Brene Brown, which I hope you do, I hope everybody knows Brene Brown. Yes, everybody needs to know her. <laughs> yeah, so she talks a lot about shame and guilt. So guilt is I did something bad, shame is I am bad. So with guilt, it's I did something bad by eating X, you know, a cookie, I don't know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, So guilt comes in because of the rules that we have around food. So we're thinking that we cannot have a cookie, or we cannot eat a past certain eat past a certain time. So when we have that rule in place, when we break that rule, that's when the guilt sets in because you did something bad for breaking that rule. So that's what it looks like in terms of eating. And then with grace, so diet culture is so black and white. It's so like you need to be all in or all out. And with grace, grace is finding that gray space, that middle area. Mm -hmm. So where can you give yourself grace in this? And how can you give yourself grace throughout this whole process of healing your relationship with food? It's giving yourself permission to have a variety of different foods. It's forgiving yourself for 
like making a mistake when with intuitive eating, there's no mistakes, you know, you can't really mess it up. You know, the grace over guilt kind of term. I love that. And I love that like with intuitive eating, there are no food rules. I mean, you can't break a rule with intuitive eating, which is so nice. And so it's all about that self-compassion. And I loved that you mentioned that diet culture disordered eating is so black and white. Yeah. And I remember putting this quote in my recovery journal when I was probably about three or four months in after being diagnosed with anorexia. And it was said something along the lines of don't define your world in black and white because mm. there's so much hiding amongst the grays. And at the time, what I thought, and oftentimes when I speak to youth groups, I'll mention this, is that my food eating was so black and white. And so, for example, like say there was a casserole and it had everything that was quote unquote good. It had vegetables and chicken and all of this good, great stuff, but it had one thing that I had deemed as quote unquote bad. And so in my mind, the entire thing was now just contaminated and it was all bad. Yeah. And when I come when I finally came to realize that like food isn't necessarily good or bad. And if it is either of those, it's definitely good. Um, And so (laughs) I love that. And so I think realizing that every piece of food that you put in your body does use some good. I mean, whether it's just picking out that calcium or whether it's picking out those vitamins and the minerals or the protein or the fats or the whatever that your body's going to use in whatever way that it can. And our bodies are so, so, so cool and so absolutely amazing. The more I learn, the more I'm just stunned at what our bodies can do and what they're capable of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. And, you know, we look at them from a exterior standpoint most of the time. We're looking at it from what our body looks like when our bodies are doing so much for us. You don't even have to tell yourself to breathe. You don't have to tell yourself. I mean, yeah, you can hold your breath and, you know, yeah, but you can, you know, you're, you're not telling yourself to digest your food. Like how Mm -hmm. amazing is it that our bodies are just working like that without even us telling it anything? I know it's insane. Yeah. And such a blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, Such such a blessing. blessing. For sure. So how can listeners pursue health without going overboard and without leaning into this orthorexia or this diet culture? How can they find that middle ground, that gray area, that balance? Yeah, that's great. I think the first thing is to check in with your intentions because that's what you can set a goal for, I don't know, to just generally make you feel good. So you want to always check in with your intentions because that's what's going to if, if your intentions are to lose weight, you're going to hyper-focus on that goal or that, like, the thing that you're working towards. And that is what can lead to the orthorexia or just being controlled by diet culture. So I think checking in with that and just, and, and most of the time, you know, making sure that your goal isn't, all right, I want to eat, I want to do this certain behavior, whatever it is. So eat vegetables, go for a walk a couple times a week, whatever in parentheses, in order to lose weight. Like, make sure there's no Mm -hmm. in parentheses right there. Right. Make sure it's just, you know, I want to feel good, so I'm going to go for a walk. So checking in with those intentions, I think, is really important. And then just starting with some small goals. So you can pursue health. The whole idea with health is we want to do healthy behaviors and habits. So if we are focusing on weight loss, if we're focusing on changing our body, we want to focus on overall health, And Mm -hmm. when you just focus on 
you know, your weight loss or you're changing your body, that is not going to take you long term because that's going to be a goal. Once you achieve that weight loss goal, you're probably not going to stick with that habit most of the time, or it's going to spiral into, yeah, orthorexia or like very bad eating behaviors. So just checking in with that. So starting with some small goals and just seeing, seeing how they go and you can always switch them up as well. I love that. And I love that some, it's all about those intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you don't I, – I guess that food freedom doesn't look like TV dinners and Pop-Tarts and candy every day and the whole nine yards, but it includes a salad when you want it. It includes exercising when you want to and when it feels good. And it includes – you know, it does include unlimited permission to eat whatever you know, and without having any any rules around any types of food or anything like that. But it's such a balance. And when you give yourself that freedom, you find that balance, which is super amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is so freeing. I recently just talked to some clients and just one client was saying she's just happier. Like she is happier mm-hmm. in life because she is not hyper-focusing on food and food isn't controlling her mind and her friends even notice, people around her notice that she's happier. And so it's just amazing when you can get rid of the diet culture talk that you have in your mind or the diet mentality, um, how freeing and how happier your life can be. Right. And I remember (laughs) there was one day I was in my sophomore year of high school and going through my eating disorder recovery, I literally had this feeding tube, you know, Mm -hmm. taped across my face. And I went to school every day and right around, I think probably December, January, and I was diagnosed in in October. So a couple months into this, I I was walking out the door to go to school. My sister was driving me. She was a senior at the time. And I remember I walked outside. It's cold here in Utah. And so there's like snow on the ground. And I remember I started singing this song and I was like, either like, baby, it's cold outside or like walking to winter wonderland or yeah. just something, something like that. And I just start belting this out the front door. <laughs> and my mom just goes, oh my gosh, Lexi, you're getting your personality back. And it was so, it was just such a beautiful moment. And I think it's so interesting that neither I nor my family or my friends ever really witnessed my personality leave Mm. because it was just so gradual. But when it came back, it was so apparent that I was just not myself when I was so malnourished. That so is I, I, so, yeah, that's amazing. I love that story. It is amazing. You don't know what you're missing out on when when you're so wrapped up in diet culture and disordered eating. Yeah, and I have a lot of clients who are kind of, we've had to kind of grieve that pro, that time in their life where they felt like they kind of missed out because they're like, mm. wow, now that I see how life, it, how good life can be right now, I wasted five years, I wasted however long it was mm-hmm. of being stuck and not experiencing life, not going out to eat because X, Y, Z, you know, just all these different things. And yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. And like, we have to grieve that process, but then we're like, Hey, you know, it taught you something you learned mm-hmm. throughout that, that phase of your life about more about yourself and yeah. So always taking it as, as a learning lesson because yeah, you don't want to beat yourself up. Give yourself grace for that, you know? Right. <laughs> that too. 
and I felt kind of the same way. I like looking back now, I'm kind of like, I got gypped. I got mm-hmm. gypped a year of my high school experience. And given it was only a year of my, <laughs> so- you know, of my <laughs> yeah. sophomore year, it could have been much, much, much worse. But yeah, still, sure. I'm like, what? Like, this is supposed to be the time of my life. You know what I mean? And here I am dealing with things that nobody should ever have to deal with. Right. But yeah, it's just that whole process. And I'm grateful for it. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm so grateful that I would do it again. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> But I am very grateful, so I will take it for what it's worth. Good. (laughs) As far as food choices are concerned, I want to kind of dive into how you recommend combating comments that other individuals may make on your food choices or on body image or like just bodies in general. Like maybe family or friends are saying something about, oh my gosh, you're going to eat that or like, hey, you've lost a lot of weight or just whatever the comment may be. How can we combat that? Yeah, that is a great question because it's so, uh, it happens so often, it happens so frequently. And I even experience it as a dietitian, you know, I have family friends who make comments mm-hmm. and most of them follow me on Instagram. So they know like, all right, you know, I shouldn't be commenting on people's food. And I'm, and I'm not a perfect human being either. Like I've definitely made comments in the past and I've been like, okay, can you like, please forgive me, you know, but right. Uh, Yeah, so there's a lot of different approaches we can take with this. Um, The first one is being stern, being, you know, just when that comment arises, when they say that comment, excuse me, I really don't appreciate you saying that. I don't appreciate you commenting on my food. Um, It doesn't help where I am right now. Yeah, something like that. So you can just call them out like in that moment. I think another one is taking them to the side or messaging them afterwards and saying like, hey, I know you probably didn't mean anything by it when you said X, but I would really appreciate it if next time you didn't say that because it made me feel blah, 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 whatever, however Mm -hmm. it made you feel. It made you feel um, hurt, insecure, whatever, whatever feeling. Another one, ignore it. You can just ignore it and realize like that's diet culture, you know, being part of our our world right now so mm-hmm. um they are just in i don't know in diet culture like they are they are um consumed by diet culture honestly that's what a lot of people are if they're not like reading things about anti-diet movement and all this they are just consumed by diets and so just being just being gentle with them too because realizing that they are a human being who is following in this diet culture footsteps and they don't know anything else maybe. So I think being patient and giving them grace during those times, Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. that's what they may need. But also if it really is affecting you, let them know, because if they care about you, if they're like a, you know, it's different if it's like a stranger and like, you're never going to see that person again. But if it's a family member, a friend, let them know how you feel because Mm -hmm. they're, they care about if they know that a thing is hurting you, a word or what, yeah, what they've said is hurting you. Hopefully that they make that change because they care about you as simple as that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's sometimes that like I hear comments or comments are directed towards me or whatnot. And I don't really think anything of it because I've learned just to kind of let those roll off my back. Right. Right. But at the same time, I'm also kind of like, let me take this opportunity to educate. And so usually I come up with something on the fly, you know, (laughs) you don't have to have a whole list of things memorized, but just say something along those lines, like what you mentioned. I mean, and depending on the situation, I know Jesse Jean came out with like a whole 
um, <laughs> a whole guide of what to say, like holiday how to combat oh, yeah. these ki- these types of things. And sometimes they can be little, you know, sassy remarks. Sometimes mm-hmm. they can just be yep. just I plain know. and There's simple. Yeah. And so whatever, I mean, kind of best fits the situation, you know, the situation better than anyone. And so as long as you can just kind of use your common sense and just kind of play the situation by ear, it, it definitely works out. But I think taking the opportunity to educate is is definitely a big, a big option. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, especially, like I said, they may not know what diet culture is or that they're following diets or that they're following mm-hmm. this uh, way of thinking that's pretty narrow. So opening their, opening their, uh, eyes and ears to something different. And, you know, another thing you could do is share a podcast, share, um, Hey, you know, I read something that was really good. Um, I would love it if I could share it with you. Are you open to that? You know, share, right. you know, share yeah, I love that like idea. That. So it's another approach. <laughs> I love that you you talked anti-diets, which I think mm-hmm. is so interesting. When I first heard that term, I was like, that is so weird. Yeah. That's so weird, especially anti-diet dietitians because right. when you think that, I think a lot of people are like, doesn't that completely defeat the purpose of a dietitian? You know what I mean? Like sure. the word diet yeah. is literally in yeah. dietitian. And so it's like, what are these people talking mm-hmm. about? They're off their rocker. <clears throat> yep. But like, <laughs> so what is anti-diets? Yeah. So yeah, that's a good, very good question. <laughs> Cause I feel like a lot of people, it's just like, wait, yeah. So confusing. She's a dietitian and she doesn't believe in diets or what's going on. Um, so yeah, <laughs> exactly. but that's what it is. Yeah. So, cause a diet is just a pattern of eating, a way of eating. But when we say anti-diet, that is more so anti-diet culture, which diet culture is you know, focusing on a way of eating that will make you a thinner person or make Mm -hmm. you lose weight. And so we're against diets because we know diets don't work. And that's such a common phrase, but it's so true. They really don't because you will lose weight, but eventually you're going to gain it back. And so your body just goes into this cycle of um, weight cycling. So your weight goes up and down, up and down, um, which is worse for your health than staying at a staying at a um, neutral weight or the same weight for over time. Even if you were to gain a little bit of weight over time, because that's kind of what our bodies do, especially like the pregnancy or just like getting older, hormones, all of that. But anti-diet is against diets. Like we are against diets. We don't want you to feel like you're on this rigid plan because we know that most of the time you won't be able to stick with it. You're going to stick with it for... mm, maybe a month, maybe a month. And then after that, you are going to feel worse about yourself. You're going to feel worse about your eating habits. You're going to feel like you're broken. There's something wrong. And that's what diets do to set you up. So it's this billion dollar industry that Mm -hmm. sets you up to fail because they want you coming back for more so that you spend more money and spend more money, time, energy, all of it contributing to their cause. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's so harmful. It's so harmful to people's mental well-being, but also their physical well-being. Right. I think it it honestly just comes back to those economics of like that's what Ugh. it is. It's a business. It's an industry. Ugh. Yeah. And they want your money. Like right. as right. every other industry is. I mean, right. you have to make money, but still, that's mm-hmm. not the way to do it. Like yeah, come absolutely. on, diet culture. So I read I read somewhere that it was saying how Oprah invested into Weight Watchers, you know. And people were like, that's such a great investment. It was like, yeah, it is because people are going to continue to fall into the diet trap and continue to 
go on Weight Watchers or go on another diet again and again and again because it it fails. You know, I have mm. plenty of people who I know who are like, oh, well, I was doing so well on it, but then the holidays hit, da, 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 da. And, you know, it was it was kind of like my fault. They blame themselves. Right. There's like always if, a personal excuse. Yeah. And it's just like, no, it's not your fault. Like, it's not you. You got to find a pattern of eating where you don't feel like you're falling off the wagon or falling off track, where you feel like you're, it's just, you're just maintaining it. Like, it's just mm-hmm. easy for you to do. So, yeah, I thought that was funny with the Oprah. It's like, yeah, no crap. She, like, it's, it's a good investment because people are just going to, it's never going to end. You know, people are going to go back for more and more and more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, she's money-wise, I guess. If, right. <laughs> you know, so. Exactly. So, we know that diets can obviously have a big impact on our mental health, and I've definitely seen that firsthand. But nutritionally speaking, why are cleanses and dieting harmful to the body? You talked about how that weight cycling is is difficult. Mm. Can you kind of give us the background, the more scientific side, I guess, of why that why diets are harmful and why they don't work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I know you mentioned like cleanses. So cleanses, your body is able to cleanse itself. <laughs> you have kidneys, you have liver that can do that. And mm-hmm. when we, you know, get rid of the quote unquote, like bad stuff or just like, uh, any toxins or things like that, your body is able to do that unless it's like some, I don't know, extreme condition or something going on where you need more medical treatment. But, um, our body is able to do that. And cleanses are essentially like, you're just peeing out money. You're paying for that. And you're just peeing it out because <laughs> you're, you don't need a cleanse. Your body is cleansing itself. Um, but people fall into that trap, especially. It's its own, I, it's its own sorry. It's its own little personal go. detox, you know? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Our body's are detoxing on its own. So, which is amazing. Again, another way our bodies are amazing. So anyways, that's my thing with, with cleanses. So we, we don't need that (laughs) Um, in in terms of um, dieting and how, you know, it can be harmful. So essentially what happens is our bodies with dieting, you're probably not getting enough energy or calories because, you know, for example, the 1200 calorie diet, you're not getting enough energy that your body needs. So what does your body do? It gets into this famine or starvation mode. So it wants to conserve energy. So your metabolism, it slows down. Your your um, hunger levels, they start to slowly slow down. So usually when people or even eating, you know, eating disorders too with anorexia, <clears throat> your hunger cues, they kind of go away over some time because oh, your sure. body's right, trying to survive or it is surviving. <laughs> so your body is just put into this famine state. So famine state is think of like your ancestors and like they had to search for food. We have access to food. It's pretty easy for most of us to get access to food, but like ancestors, they had to search for their food. So when their bodies were lacking in energy, what did their mind do? Their mind was like, oh, we need to search for food. Like, let's get on this. So that's what happens with us too. If we are in this dieting cycle, your your metabolism slows down, your hunger cues kind of check out. Um, You experience really low energy, which is never good, you know, I haven't heard a lot of people that are like, oh, this diet made me feel like super energized. <laughs> like, I haven't heard that a whole lot. Really fatigue. And so your body 
is in this starvation or survival mode. And so your mind just thinks about food all the time. So you think like, why am I thinking about food all the time? You know, dieting, just your, your, your mind just shifts to survival. And so it thinks it's in this famine state. And so it wants to search out for food. And you think you are broken. You think something's wrong with you. Why is this not working? I'm trying to follow this to a T. It's super challenging, but your mind is cloudy with thinking about how I can get food next. So anyway, so most of the time people, you know, they go into this diet mode, but then afterwards they go into this binge mode. Any type of restriction is going to lead to binging. And Again, you think something is broken. What's wrong with me? Why am I binging? You are surviving. Your body is surviving. And we, it's funny because we call it binging, but we should just call it surviving. Like your body was in a restrictive famine state and it wants to get back to a normal healthy state. It wants to have a healthy metabolism. It wants to get enough energy so it's not feeling so fatigued. So yeah, that's what happens on on the other end. And Um, It's just, you know, all of those behaviors of dieting, it just, I've heard so many people, I think about food 24-7. I think about food 24-7. And that's not how life should be. Mm -hmm. Life should be not thinking about food 24-7. There are so many other amazing things that you can do with your time and your energy than thinking about food or your body. Right. And like with me, when I was first diagnosed and I started like I, I've had this feeding tube and I have no idea how much, you know, calories or nutrition or whatever I was receiving. I had no idea. But yeah. anyway, I was receiving, you know, massive amounts of nutrition and through this feeding tube. And on top of that, I had a full, a full meal plan. And mm-hmm. so I'm receiving these massive amounts of nutrition because my metabolism was skyrocketing. And mm-hmm. so not only was I trying to get back to weight maintenance, I was trying to combat this hypermetabolic state that I was in and I would yeah. wake up in the middle of the night with night sweats, just, mm-hmm. you know, just crazy, crazy things that were going on with my body. And like yeah. you said, talking about food 24-7, I think of like the Minnesota starvation experiment. Oh, yeah. Which like for them, when I first read about that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I felt. Like I started when I was so malnourished to look at recipes or to make food and have no intention of eating it. Like I would decorate sugar cookies for my family and then not eat it. Like I would go smell food and not eat it. And just these Mm -hmm. super random, stupid little things that I did that I wasn't even really consciously aware of. Like I looked then, I wasn't sure why in the world I was even doing those things, but looking back now and and I remember, like, through my recovery, I would have dreams. I couldn't even go to bed oh, yeah. and not oh, yeah. dream about food. I had a dream that we were at Valentine's Day, and my my parents always give us, like, this nice meal and these nice plates yeah. and little candles and lights and whatnot for our family. And there's always pink and red M&Ms sprinkled on the tablecloth. Mm. And I had a dream that I had accidentally eaten two M&Ms. <sighs> and I woke up in a panic And looking back now, I'm like, oh, honey, it is two (laughs) M&Ms. Like, (laughs) this is not a big deal. But at the time, I was just so consumed by food and so worried. And it was exhausting, I mean, to say the least. That's definitely, I think, the worst symptom I ever had of my eating disorder is that I was just consumed with thoughts of food constantly. That it affected every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So, so it's like the flip coin of that is when you don't think about food, you can think about other things. You can right. do other things. It's just so much more freeing and liberating for you to, yeah, not be chained by uh, by food and food thoughts and all of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I guess I remember certain parts of that year of my life or, you know, two years or however long. I mean, depending on when you want to say it started and stopped, but right. still... And I remember things, but I don't really remember things, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, I mm-hmm. remember being somewhere. I remember going to that football game or whatever. Yeah. I don't remember what I was thinking or feeling, except for that I was freezing and that I was thinking about food. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. going to dances or on dates or whatever. I just remember I was there, and I guess I have pictures and images and things that prove that I was there, but I don't remember it. Like, yeah. And so it's almost like that whole period of my life is just kind of blurred because yeah. I was so consumed by something else that was going on. And so it was just really, really hard. And I think that yeah. that hope is kind of great for anyone that's listening that is struggling, mm-hmm. that might be yeah. able to be like, oh, hey, look, there is a different way than than what I'm going through right now and obviously it's not their fault but it's just the way that diet culture and this disordered eating has kind of created with our with our bodies and our minds so yeah absolutely for sure along with diet culture what is this new and rising thing called wellness culture (laughs) because in my mind wellness was always so good and suddenly right it's kind of been a little tricky it's, yes. how is it similar to diet culture? How can individuals be aware of it and call it out when they see this wellness culture? Yeah, yeah, this is great. Yeah, this is definitely, and I think um, I think Christy Harrison, so she mm-hmm. wrote the book Anti-Diet. Please go read that. Like, it is such a good book. Yeah, I read it in the summer. It, it It's such a good book. But anyways, so she, I think she coined the term, but... Um, Regardless, it is this idea that you are pursuing your health or your wellness by by still, you know, because diet, diet, dieting, you know, people don't want to call, oh, I'm dieting. They'll just say, oh, I'm just, I'm just eating healthier in order to lose weight, mm-hmm. or I'm just doing this detox or clean eating. You know, that's a pretty common one, right? I'm, I just re- really want to eat clean. And your intentions, again, it's all about your intentions, but just having this strict and narrow way of going about food and wellness is like, I'm doing this for my health. I'm doing this for my wellness. But in reality, you are still focusing on weight loss, on how you can change your body and demonizing food in some way. Um, Yeah. So like wellness is wellness uh, diet is like the clean eating um, the elimination diets, all of that, you're restricting carbs, um, detoxes like uh, paleo or whole 30. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a common one too, right? The whole 30. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to eat clean for a month and same, same thing. It's, it's still a diet. It's still something that's restrictive. And then when you go back or when, excuse me, when you get off of it, you are just going to go back to your old eating patterns and you're going to feel like something was wrong. Something was wrong with you. So wellness diet is just a, a diet culture with a mask on, I feel like, which say, says like, oh, I'm just doing this for my wellness, my health, but it's still same, same thing. It's going to end up with the same result. So 
Right. It's just a different, different term, same thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that like wellness, like I've, I always think about like the wellness wheel, if you've heard of that mm-hmm. and how there's all these different aspects to your wellness. And I think that there are so many things that when we talk about wellness, it can be so good. And, but there's also things that like when you say they have those parentheses at the end of those different intentions, that's when it becomes, you know, deceiving. And so it's not like it's all bad and it's not like, same with like the word health or the same with the word diet. It just depends on how it's used. And so just recognizing those intentions and kind of the behind the scenes of what the word is and kind of what it means is what we really have to look into, I guess, is we can't just kind of assume it's all good intentions. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if you say, like I have clients now who say, you know, I just want to, or they talk about, they say diet, but they're, I know that they're not talking about like, oh, I'm going on a diet. They're just saying their way of eating, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely all about your intentions and, and how, how you're using the word and how other people are using the word, because there's people out there who are even using intuitive eating for weight loss. And it's like, that is the opposite of what intuitive eating is. Mm -hmm. And that's when you have you even read the book or do you know you know right have you done do your you research really yeah because that's the opposite of what it's not focusing on that or they'll be like intuitive eating plus weight loss it's like wait no you can't don't use that term please don't use that term right and yeah. i used to i used to get kind of frustrated because i felt like you know, the whole eating disorder community or just like individuals on instagram or whatever we kind of i felt like sometimes everybody got fed up with terminology and I was always kind of like it just doesn't freaking matter I know but the more I I go about it the more I'm like okay it kind of does matter I mean still Mm -hmm. we don't need to be caught up in like oh what do you mean what do you mean right but also there's certain situations where we gotta know what you mean you know what I mean and so it's kind of like we need to make sure that we're aware of these things I mean we don't have to go around making sure every time we see the word wellness or someone says it they don't need to define it for us but like yes we just need to (laughs) we just need to be aware of these things and be aware of this terminology and the different meanings that it can that it can have on our on our language and on our on our mindset yeah yeah that's great really good point there So say I kind of have a hypothetical situation for you. Sure. Say a client came to you with a diet mentality, learning that Mm -hmm. you're a dietitian, say they don't know a lot about, you know, your anti-diet dietitian or whatever, but they came with you with this diet mentality, expecting to lose weight and somehow also gain confidence and make peace with food and live just a happy-go-lucky life, no food problems whatsoever, but they just, they want to lose that weight. What's the number one piece of advice that you would kind of give them? Like, where would they start? Should they start with body image? Should they start with intuitive eating? Should they start with giving themselves grace? Where's yeah. the Where's the start point? Well, I would just with my practice, right? We don't we don't focus on weight loss or anything. I've had I've this is very common. This um, client that you're describing <laughs> is pretty common to come to me for their their food issues, their body body image. Uh, issues. So what I say to them at the beginning is we got to put weight loss on the back burner because if you're going to be focused on weight loss during this process, it's going to not, it's going to hinder you. It's going to prevent you from really healing your relationship with food and your body. So we got to put weight loss on the back burner. We can't focus on that right now. And, you know, I say right now, but it's like, I, 
what I mean is like forever. We're not going to focus on weight loss <laughs> it's forever. It's always on the back burner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, but it's really cool because when I tell them that, they're like, okay, they, you know, a couple months into working with me, after healing their relationship with food, like things are getting better. They, and with their body as well, they don't really want to lose weight. They're finding confidence in themselves. They're finding that this freedom around food is so much greater than me losing five, 10 pounds. So they, that back burner, it's, yeah, I tell them put it on the back burner, but then they eventually, it goes off to the side and they don't really think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Or their, their intentions for their habits and behaviors are not focused, are not weight loss focused. I just talked to a client uh, yesterday and we talked about making some goals for 2021. And she was like, I made no goals towards weight loss. They were all based on my health. And I can truly say, we've been working together for a certain, a good chunk of time. She was like, I can truly say like, I am not focused on weight loss with these goals. I am focused on getting stronger. You know, one of her goals was to get stronger and to do more activity and all that. It was not weight loss focused. So yeah, so putting that on the back burner is so, so important throughout your intuitive eating, your your uh, healing, your relationship with food, your journey. The first thing I would I would say too is body image usually leave, leaves at the end. So I would focus on food, healing your relationship with food first, and then body image. We, we work on it throughout, but we mainly focus on it at the end because it's the last to go. And this is something that I work with a... A psychologist Anita Johnston. So she, I don't know if you know, Eating in the Light of the Moon. She wrote that book, so she's amazing. So work with her, and she's she has always said, you know, body image is the last thing to go when you're, you know, whether it's disordered eating, eating disorders, whatever it is, but that's the last to go. So we focus more on that towards the end, and then healing your relationship with food is definitely first. So looking at intuitive eating principles and. But it, I will say, it's hard to do it on your own. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to do all of this on your own. So if you're really struggling, definitely reach out to a dietitian because they're going to help you. You're going to struggle. I've had clients who are like, I've been trying intuitive eating for two years on my own. And then once we start working together, it's like a couple months, maybe maybe three to five months, and then they're, they're cruising. They're doing so well. So right. it can definitely speed up that process and help that process, which is great. Right. And I think it's it's definitely worth the investment. It's definitely worth oh, yeah. the time, the time and the money, you know, and you oh, just, yeah. you, just to For have sure. your person to kind of hold you accountable and to figure things out and to have yeah. kind of a soundboard to, you know, jump ideas off of each other and whatnot. So yeah. definitely totally worth it. Do you have a lot of individuals come to you with this fear of letting go of food rules in kind of regard to like they're scared about becoming unhealthy like Mm -hmm. they're they're having a hard time leaning into intuitive eating because they're just not sure if it works what would you say to those individuals that fear becoming unhealthy or overweight what kind of advice would you give to them yeah yeah this this is another common one (laughs) definitely because again diet culture says if you don't if you don't follow these rules, you're going to be unhealthy or that's, you know, you're, that's going to lead to lots of weight gain. And I mean, this is kind of a cliche thing to say, but trust the process. Like I've seen it time and time again, that people are so scared to Mm -hmm. 
get rid of those rules around food or just they're just scared about this whole process and you really have to trust the process because it's gonna it's not easy it's not gonna be like this piece of cake thing no Mm -hmm. pun intended with that but um (laughs) (laughs) it's not gonna be like that totally but you it's gonna get easier over time and you're gonna find that you are you are caring more about your overall well-being rather than like uh, gaining weight because the thing with this is intuitive eating leads to better health outcomes long term Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's where the the big switch is it's not talking about we're not we're not focused on that short term we want long-term health and that's what intuitive eating does and and is it focuses on that long-term health so it's totally normal. I would just say another thing I would say is it's totally normal for you to feel like you're losing control because that's what it is. They're losing some type of control because intuitive eating is so flexible and fluid. Right, for sure. Um, so they're losing this control and they're like, oh my God, that means I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to be unhealthy. Your mental health will improve. Your physical health will improve by intuitive eating, by doing practicing intuitive eating. So trust the process, know it's normal to feel that way, and uh, you're going to find so much more freedom and better health outcomes because of intuitive eating, because of focusing on your health and habits without weight loss on the forefront of your mind. Right. Jenna, thank you so much for being here. I cannot agree more with everything that you've said. I couldn't have said it any better, and so that's why I love having guests like you on the podcast kind of share us with your own personal insight, your own story, and everything that you've been through. You definitely have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this this type of thing and some killer dance moves with those roots. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I, I love how you're you're keeping up with my dances and my reels and all that jazz. <laughs> it's fun. Yes. Well, thank you. This was really great. I, I appreciate you having me on. And with that, I thank you listeners for tuning in today. I hope that Jenna and I have been able to provide you with some insight that you can immediately apply to your own life. If you know someone that would benefit from this episode, please send them this podcast. And be sure to follow Jenna at balance.nutrition on Instagram and of course at every ounce dot of strength. Until next time, may you fight with every ounce. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please remember that this podcast, my Instagram account, or any other content on my website should not be used as a replacement for therapy or professional treatment. Eating disorders and mental health conditions are serious psychological and physiological illnesses that should be treated appropriately by licensed professionals. This space is simply for the purpose of community support, offering suggestions, giving hope, and encouraging recovery. Until next time, may you fight with every ounce of strength.